0: And friends, and welcome on in to episode 102 of The Sco Show, probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, happy to be back in the big chair. It is just after midnight on the East Coast. I guess it is Saturday morning, April 25th. Losing track of the days a little bit, getting a little bleary, a little bleary eyed. But we forge on. And how are you feeling? If you can tell by the sound of my voice, I'm feeling a little bit better. The New England Patriots made five selections in rounds two and three of the 2020 NFL Draft. And we're going to get into those in a moment. We're going to talk Patriots here at the top. Then a little bit of the global perspective. Then some thoughts on what might lie ahead in day three of the 2020 NFL Draft. And before we do that, your usual reminders here at the outset, follow along with the hijinks on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. Check out the work of places like Inside the Pylon, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Not one, not two, but three. Count them, three SB Nation websites. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and of course right here at Pat's Pulpit. And of course, Touchdown Wire, where day two draft grades will be up from me pretty much by the time you listen to this show. They've already been done, turned in the haze in the barn. Let's start the discussion about what the Patriots did this way. If you had told me, or perhaps better yet, if I had told you that at the end of the night Night two of the draft, the Patriots will come out with, and we'll just go sort of alphabetically here, Devin Asiasi, Kyle Duggar, Anthony Jennings, Dalton Keene, and Josh Uche. You probably would have been very pleased with that because you would get, now just talking positions, safety linebacker, outside linebacker, and the double dip at tight end. And that's exactly what they did. Now, the question sort of becomes this. They went Kyle Duggar first at 37. And that may have sort of sent people into a, oh boy, here we go, kind of moved, right? And look, I I tweeted out the joke a while ago. It was like a week ago with the Rick and Morty gift with the the double birds from both Rick and Morty with the caption, Belichick when the Patriots draft a random safety at 23 It happened at 37. A bit of a random safety, but you get Kyle Duggar, the small school safety from Lenore Ryan, a Division II safety. Now, he's a project for sure, but they have a bit of time, number one. They've got Devin McCordy and Patrick John, so they can sort of carve out for him if they wish a role a limited role to ease him into the game, and you know he will contribute on special teams. Let's talk about what he brings to the table. Athleticism, which is incredible. Both he and Jeremy Chin tested extremely well at the combine. You're talking about a safety who comes in. He's built like a linebacker. Matter of fact, one of the best things that his school probably did for him was not moving him to linebacker because they could have moved him to linebacker. He might have been a force there, but they let him play safety, which is probably an NFL position for him. You're talking about somebody that comes in at six foot even, 217, 4.49 in the 40, 42 inch vertical, 11 foot, two inch broad jump. PFF described him as explosiveness personified. 32, almost 33-inch arms, and 10-inch hands, 10 and 3.75-inch hands. He is big. He is long. He is explosive. And one of the other writers of Pat's Pulpit, Ryan Kiernan, he and I were having a quick discussion on Twitter, and he said it this way, and it's so appropriate. Belichick finally took a swing on explosiveness and athleticism rather than the team leader who was like a, a four-year starter and a two-year captain. And maybe he didn't check the athletic boxes, but he was that sort of team guy. I mean, Jordan Richards obviously comes to mind. So betting on an explosive dude like this, pretty impressive. And I think, look, Getting that guy where you got him maybe skews how you view it, but he was probably going to come off the board in the second round, and they probably didn't want to miss out on him. And then you look at the other selections. Josh Uche feels an incredible need for him. With Uche and Anthony Jennings, you get your KVN Jamie Collins replacements right there, I think. Jennings is probably a bit more of a run-stopper type of guy, but I think he's very disciplined at what he does. I think he screams Belichick-type player. Uche is a hybrid-type guy. You can use him as a pass rusher. You can drop him into coverage. He sort of fits that KVN-type mold. Now, obviously, look, Zach Bond was available. There's got to be a reason for the Zach Bond slide, the Adam Trotman slide. We'll get into some of that stuff in a little bit. But I do think those first three picks, defense, 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 filled some needs and got some explosive-type players especially at the safety spot that they badly needed they needed some athleticism and if you think about it this way you know if you think about Sigmund Bloom talks about this a ton you know when i go on his show you know the live audible broadcast you know you think about what teams are doing by position by division matchups rivalries you want to talk about stopping Lamar Jackson, stopping Baltimore, and their run game, a run game that sort of explode, exposed a lack of athleticism at the second level that we've been talking about here. If you go back to some of the archived episodes of Locked On Patriots, when I was talking about a lack of athleticism dating back to the Super Bowl against the Eagles, like it's been a thing. Well, Kyle Duggar, depending on the role you kind of carve out for him, he can help you with that. So in a way, they drafted a safety who's going to be like a Baltimore eraser, or at least that's how they view him. And then you get the double dip at tight end, which, let's face it, it was almost a cathartic release in the Slack channel when it happened. Believe me. Obviously, look, I was busy. I was working on almost 7,000 words on draft grades for USA Today, which we'll get into in a second. But the double-dip at tight end with Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, absolutely beautiful. Warmed my heart. Warmed everybody's heart, I think, in the Slack channel. And most Patriots fans, I think, loved to see the double-dip at the tight end position because it was a problem for this team last year. It was an absolute, abject failure of this organization to address the tight end position. I think it's fair to say that. And I know somewhere Jim Reynolds is a lawn. But they failed to address it. And you can say that Gronk maybe made it tougher on him. Okay, in a sense. But they still knew what they had in Gronk, right? They still knew that he wasn't the Gronk of old, that he was struggling at times. They had an opportunity in last year's great draft class to address the tight end position. They didn't. So they double dip here. Uh, CSC, look, talk to some people at UCLA. They were telling me tonight and earlier this draft process, upside, upside, upside. The potential is certainly there for him to have a kind of breakout that we're all hoping for. Those of us that started on film, John Limarakis, and everybody else on the Slack channel, loved what we saw from him. The potential is there for him to be that sort of multi-faceted, dual-threat tight end that can line up in line on first and 10 and knock the defensive end out of the screen. And then on third and six, can detach in more of a flexed alignment and run away from linebackers or strong safeties. Like, he can do that. And then Dalton Keane. I mean, you're talking about a guy that tested extremely well, right? Relative athletic score from Kent Lee Platt, right? 9.33, which is basically elite. 4.7140, 10-yard split of 1.62, which is really good. Vertical of 34, broad of 10 feet, 5 inches. Short shuttle of 4.12, elite. A three-cone of 7.07, which is good for a tight end. And when you sort of look at what he did on film, they used him everywhere. Virginia Tech used him everywhere on the field. Wayne, inline, slot, H-back. Maybe this is the 12 personnel package we've been clamoring for again for a while. It at least has that potential. So I think, look, big picture. You probably feel better right now about the New England Patriots than you did, say, 48 hours ago, Right? 48 hours ago. And Nora Princiati just tweeted out, there's a video chat going on with the beat writers. I see some names I know. Mike Petraglia, Phil Perry, Zach Cox. It's good to see some familiar faces. But they're having a video chat with Nick Cassero right now. And what did he say during this that Nora just tweeted out? At the beginning of the second round, the Patriots wrote down three players they wanted on day two. Kyle Duggar and Josh Uche were two of the three. I wondered, was it a duggar Uche? no matter what kind of draft day post-it? But they got those two. And you have to be excited about that. So I think globally, as a Patriots fan, you have to feel excited about what they did tonight. And let's not forget, what do they have tomorrow? They've still got picks tomorrow. Right? Look at what they have tomorrow night. I'm double-checking it in two different spots, but as far as I can tell, Patriots have picks. 59, 95, 204, 212, 213, 230. Six more picks... One in the fifth, which Dave Archibald will be the first to tell you they're probably not going to make. So they don't have a fourth. Maybe they try to move up. But as it is right now, a fifth, a bunch of sixth, four in the sixth round, and a seventh rounder. Got to feel excited about it. And we just wait for the quarterback, which we know is coming. But look, a good night for New England. I'd grade it as like a B plus. I think it was a solid night. We'll see what they do tomorrow. Up next, some more global thoughts on the draft as a whole. And then a little bit later, how day three might shake out for New England and others. That is ahead on episode 102 of the SCO Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 102 of the SCO Show. And interestingly enough, I want to start with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know this is a Patriots show, and look, we could talk about what Buffalo did. We can talk about what Miami did or what the Jets did. I think all those teams had some pretty good nights. I'm very confused about the direction of the Philadelphia Eagles, and, and I'll tell you why. First of all, is their criteria the name Jalen? drafted Jalen Rangor, drafted Jalen Hurts, and they drafted Davion Taylor, whose middle name happens to be Jalen. Just thought I'd throw that out there. I thought it was an interesting little factoid. They drafted Jalen Hurts at 53, which was a very interesting selection. As I was saying last night, yesterday's episode, I don't even know when I recorded it. I think it was earlier today, earlier yesterday, whatever. Two things could have been true about what the Green Bay Packers did: that Jordan Love, this is a great fit for him, perfect landing spot for him but the Jordan Love pick doesn't help them in 2020, okay? So two things can be true. Two things can also be true about this pick by Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts should have been a second-round pick in a vacuum, but he probably shouldn't have been a second-round pick by the Philadelphia Eagles because they had other needs. And I'm very, shall we say, confused by the potential fit of Jalen Hurts in a West Coast-based passing offense. I like Jalen Hurts a ton as a quarter as a quarterback prospect. I mocked, in my day two mock, Jalen Hurts at 45 to Tampa Bay. Because so I thought, look, Tampa Bay had already done a pretty good job, right? They don't need any more help. Well, of course, they got more help tonight. Antoine Winfield? I mean, come on. So anyway, they don't see Jalen Hurts come off the board of 45. He comes off the board of 53 to the Philadelphia Eagles, a team where I don't see the scheme fit. And now you have opened yourself up, obviously, to a quarterback controversy. Go on WIP Radio tonight. I hopped on Instagram Live with the one and only Michael Kist for like five minutes to like lose our minds over it. And of course, we've been chatting in the DMs ever since the pick was made and... The other pick, which we'll get to. WIP is just losing their minds. They are just basically burying Carson Wentz. Like, this is just the beginning of the end. Matter of fact, there are tweets out right now from hosts at WIP saying, Oh, look, Lamar Jackson took Joe Flacco's job by week 11. They are going to run Carson Wentz out of town because of this pick. So that's one issue with it. The other issue is, like I said, the scheme fit. I don't think Jalen Hurts fits best for what they do. Tampa Bay at 45 would have loved it. I would have thought it was ideal. If Indianapolis wanted to draft him, even though it's a West Coast offense, you know the quarterback you have there is at the end of the line, right? So you could at least say a situation where, okay, This could potentially work. This environment and this offense, this system, I think is just a potential ticking time bomb. So that's one thing to look at. The other thing to look at, are you going to try to get him on the field as a gadget-type player? And if so, how does that impact his long-term development? Like if... You know, a lot of people said, well, maybe they're going to use him as a Taysom Hill role. Okay. Taysom Hill went undrafted. Like, you drafted him, you're paying the premium because he's a quarterback. If you're going to do something like slot him into this Taysom Hill role, it's going to stunt his quarterback development. So that pick didn't make sense. And then, look, they needed to address linebacker. They go with Davion Taylor, who is a very raw prospect and they draft him at the end of the third round they get him at 103 now I'm throwing out this just random hypothetical for you if they were determined to go linebacker and quarterback in this draft they could have gone Logan Wilson at 53 and Jake Fromm at 103 And I think that would have been a much better use of that draft capital because then later in the draft, they go with Davion Taylor, the kid from Colorado who, again, very raw, very much of a project. There were times when on film he looked lost. Now, he's athletic and he tested extremely well, so there's a chance that maybe he can get coached up and developed and piece it all together. But it's a big question mark. And so I don't know what they're doing. Now, other teams look to be a bit lost, right? Green Bay is a question mark. Green Bay, obviously, look, we we talked about the Jordan Love stuff. We don't need to go down that road again. But the idea that they would then add A.J. Dillon, who, look, what does A.J. Dillon do well? He runs well between the tackles. He's a bruiser, downhill type of back. You look at what Green Bay has right now at the running back spot. Aaron Jones, he's on the last year of his deal. Jamal Williams, he's on the last year of his deal. So maybe he can take on like a running back by committee role as a rookie in 2020, and they look to him to take over the... Bulk of the carries in 2021. Okay, again, as I said last night, how does that help you get that much better in 2020 if it's a pick that's a nod to 2021? Now, maybe, look, maybe they think that they're already close enough that, you know, they can start to think about the future. Okay, Sure. Wide receiver. Are you that happy with MVS, Equimanias St. Brown, Devin Funches? Are you that happy with those guys when you're seeing other players come off the board? And then Josh Deguara, who I liked him for what he is. He's a guy I Kyle Juice Kyle Juicecheck and yes, they run a lot of 21 personnel, and they did lose Dana Vitali to the New England Patriots. I just don't know what they're doing. Pittsburgh, also some questionable p- picks that they made. Chase Claypool, if they're drafting him to be a tight end, okay. But he's a p- project there. And Alex Highsmith, who's a project at outside backer. Now maybe you can look at Pittsburgh and say they didn't have a ton of needs to begin with, Okay. Still a question mark. Seattle, they're doing Seattle things. Jordan Brooks, Daryl Taylor, Damian Lewis. Damian Lewis might have been the best pick in terms of where they drafted these guys. You pull Barifasan's consensus board. They draft Jordan Brooks at 27. Consensus ranking is 84. They draft Daryl Taylor, the edge from Tennessee. They get him at 48. Consensus ranking there, 92. Then Damian Lewis at 69. I think that one made at least a little bit of sense, given where they got him in the draft. Consensus ranking on Damian Lewis. I'll put my finger on it at some point, I know. Or maybe I won't. Oh, 94. In terms of the difference between the consensus ranking and where the pick was made, Damian Lewis was the most reasonable selection. So look, some teams are doing some questionable things. But the beauty of the draft is this. A, there's always tomorrow. At least we can say that until tomorrow night. But B, ultimately it's up to the coaches, the teams, and the players themselves. Because I can sit here and it's easy to sit here and crush the Jalen Hurts pick, the Josh deguara pick, the Jordan Love pick, any of these selections. It's easy to sit here and crush them. But ultimately it would be the players and the teams themselves that will either prove me right or prove me wrong. Now... As far as what tomorrow might bring, there are some very good players left in this draft. Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason are still on the draft board. They are still waiting to hear their name called. Tyler Bydash from Wisconsin, waiting to hear his name called. Unless I missed it, Amik Robertson, Ben Barts, Troy Pride. Did not hear their names called yet. Prince Tangawanogo has not been drafted. Bradley Anne from Utah. Bryson Hopkins, Tyler Johnson, Harrison Bryant, Troy Dye, Albert O. Oh. Ben Bredesen. Nick Harris, Jason Strawbridge, Darney Holmes. Shane Lemieux, Kenny Willickis, Logan Stenburn, Richard Lawrence. There are Reggie Robinson, James Prochet, Thaddeus Moss, Geno Stone. There's great value to be had on the third day of this draft. In terms of what I'd like to see the Patriots do, again, I think quarterback is in the mix. I think wide receiver is in the mix. I would certainly watch for slot wide receivers. I think You know, James Prochet might be in play for them perhaps in the fifth round if he falls. Not sure there's another slot type that makes a ton of sense for them. I think quarterback, look... Cole McDonald, Anthony Gordon, Nate Stanley, James Morgan. I think those are the four names to watch. I think the other thing that tonight tells us is that this is Jared Stidham's job to lose. Like I said, Jalen Hurts was on the board at 37. Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason are still undrafted. If they didn't believe in Jared Stidham they would have made a move for a quarterback at some point by now. But they didn't. They got him a pair of tight ends, and they built up on the defensive side of the ball. And so I think that more than anything else tells us, look, this is Jared Stidham's job to lose. Now it's up to him to keep it. So that will do it for me from tonight, episode 102 of the SCO show. I will be back at some point Saturday evening, Sunday morning, to kick out the final sort of draft recap episode. Until then, friends, stay safe, wash those hands, check in on your neighbors, take care of your loved ones, and when you do wash those hands, please sit along and bless those Patriots Reigns down in Fox.